0: This is T.D.P.S. Eric! Yes,
1: Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet?
0: That depends. Are
1: we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? Well, you were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men.
0: Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better.
1: Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues
0: at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon, come get this seagull.
1: I can't help it if my writing Uh, sets the uh, scene.
0: I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich?
1: Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my
0: website lately?
1: Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. <laughs> ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're
0: listening to TDPS Presents Christopher... And Eric. And by now, you probably know what a scripted intro means on this podcast. It means the topic of today's episode is an emotional one. This is our first holiday season without my dear friend and Christopher's mother, Anne Rice. And so we're paying tribute to her memory with special encore presentations of her past visits to the TDPS network.
1: In 2011, Eric and I got the crazy idea to stream our own live comedy variety show over the internet. We
0: had no idea just how crazy at the time. But after what felt like 200 short years later, we were finally able to get it on the air. The result was
1: The Dinner Party Show, which debuted on November 12, 2012, a blend of sketch comedy and celebrity interviews which we live cast every night at the thedinnerpartyshow.com and which you can find in our podcast archive on that same website today.
0: And who better to be our first guest interview than Anne Rice? Perhaps she was kidding when she asked for caviar to be on hand, but we took her request quite seriously. The truth is, we always took Anne's request quite seriously as you'll be able to tell from this interview. So travel
1: back in time with us to 2012. President Obama had just sailed to re-election after a formidable challenge from Mitt Romney. The Vampire Chronicles book series was still officially retired. And your very nervous hosts were launching a brand new endeavor with the full support and encouragement of my wonderful late
0: mother. I went to a marvelous party. Our very special guest is. My mom is here! World, world, world famous author Anne Rice is here at the dining table with Christopher and me for the dinner party show's premiere. Thanks for coming in, Anne.
2: I'm delighted to be here, gentlemen. It's beautiful.
0: You Lovely. Having a good time so far?
2: I am. I love the red drapes. They're gorgeous. Everything is just very nice here.
1: It's it's a real thing. It's not some little office with recording Absolutely equipment in it. Not. It's a thing.
0: Absolutely it's right. It's a thing. Yeah, that's what we were going for. It's a, a thing. thing. Yeah. It's what's happening. It's a dining room. It's like we were going for that. We want it to be actually a dinner party. And Billy was here to take good care of you out Absolutely. front.
2: Absolutely. And the caviar is delicious.
0: You know? We did. Very you,
2: good. You Smoked did... salmon is very good. The,
1: the it was a writer in her contract. Don't all our the guests come in expecting that's that. That's <laughs> what I was – yeah, don't say that. Mom, you did such a wonderful job of promoting our show and your appearance on Facebook. In fact, you're the queen of Facebook.
2: I wouldn't say that, I'm
0: really. Pretty close. Well, yeah, pretty close. It's either you or Justin Bieber.
1: <laughs> I think he's the king of Twitter. I'm sorry, the princess of Twitter. Mom is the queen of Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And well, a lot you. of I'm your people I'm of the page are listening in. They've been oh, leaving comments on glad. our page. Thank and you
0: very much. We appreciate think, everybody listening do in. Do
2: you think any Republican people of the page are still with you?
1: I don't think so. <laughs> I think we all, we're down to the green party at the dinner party show. But look, the reality is is the tagline for the show is everyone gets served. So absolutely. Stick the, around. If the people absolutely. you hate haven't gotten stuck yet, just wait. Just wait stay tuned. Wait yeah. till the end of the broadcast. We're coming after everybody.
0: Okay. Yeah, That's absolutely. right. Nobody gets out of here without dinner.
1: I yeah. understand. But mom, talk. Let's talk some about your relationship to Facebook because it's been a very important thing for you these past few years. It's been a sort of direct I, I line of communication. It. I love yeah. it.
2: Yeah, I have a I have a page, and I refer to the people on the page as the people of the page, and I go on every day, several times a day, and uh, really enjoy it very much. I lo- I love to talk about all kinds of things on Facebook, um, serious subjects, light subjects, TV, politics. Poetry, film, books, my books, my characters, whatever. I love to ask questions of the people of the right. page. Like, you know, if you w- would you take the dark gift from Lestat if he offered it to you to become a vampire? You know, that type of thing. And, and I'll get maybe like a thousand answers. And it's, it's well, what really did, great. What
1: did the majority of them say, yes or no? Uh,
2: actually, they there were a whole range of comments. Most of them said yes, but a lot of them wanted the dark gift from another vampire. Why? They wanted it from Armand or they wanted it from Marius or they wanted it from Claudia. You know, the, the, I don't know. One thing that I love about my readers is that they have all these choices and all these favorites. And they can get pretty angry with me over, you know... Who's their favorite vampire and, you know, what, what What am I saying about vampires and so forth? I caused a terrible scandal on the page recently. What happened? Well, I, well, I insisted that Lestat was a fan of Honey Boo Boo. And people <laughs> people left the page enraged. You know what?
1: Let me just say something about that. Because I watch the page from a distance, yes. which is every night before bed. I go on and I read oh, the comments, yeah. some of which I those people better hope they never meet me in person. Well,
2: I do welcome all opinions.
1: That's fine. And I think it's great. Just like a, the dinner Absolutely. Show. You welcome all opinions. Um, every time one of them writes some post about, that is it, I am leaving your page, I have lost respect for you, your number of yes, followers goes yes. up by about 50%. Well, so
2: I, it makes me sad every time someone leaves, but since I don't Mom, believe... Mom, I don't think
1: they're actually leaving. I think it's just an empty threat. That's what I'm trying to say. I right? understand.
2: But I don't believe in shunning people. Who hold different political views from me, or absolutely not? So it's always a little bit of a shock when someone says that. If I post something on the Democratic Party or the election, and they say, "That's it! I'm off your page. I'm going to boycott your books at the local store. I'm never. You know, I'm I'm going to do everything I can to destroy you personally." I'm always amazed because when did this start shunning the other mainstream party in America? When did this happen? That people. You know, well, whatever I we can't.
1: have it on our side of the fence too. We have it on the gay community. Whenever a com- before the real story is in on something a, co- a corporation or a company did, yeah. everybody starts saying let's do a boycott. Yes, yeah, and people who are seasoned activists say, hey, wait a minute. A, we don't have the whole story, and B, a boycott is a very complicated thing. You don't just boycott a product. You have to organize people to boycott. On mass, for it to be effective. Well,
2: well, we need to think about what it means to boycott somebody for holding a sincere opinion about something. Mm -hmm. See, I I don't believe we should do that, basically. Now, if you you think that a corporation is doing something that's really destructive and evil out there with their money and with their publicity and their power, that's one thing. But just for being Republican or being Democrat or being anti-gay marriage or being pro-gay marriage, what right have we to try to force people economically to change their conscientious opinions? I don't think that's right. I never did. I mean, back in the fifties, when I went to college, you know, everyone said we're not going to eat Welsh's Junior Mints because of the John Burt Society, and I thought <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. I mean, the man—that's what the man believes. He's their arch conservative. We're not—we're going to try to. I mean, First of all, what difference is it going to make to him if we don't eat Junior Mints? But I mean, maybe, maybe. Uh, but
0: I—but I think there's also something to be said for standing up for what you believe in. Like it—it's it, fine if you believe that, like the Chick Fil A guy.
2: Well, now, if he
0: wants to believe that and he wants to exactly. use that as a vote, that's fine. But it's also, you know, my, I vote with my feet, right? Well, sure, I'm not going sure. to show up for you. That's sure. not I, That doesn't work for me, and so I'm not going in. Yeah. I, but, I
2: but that's a different thing from systematically trying to destroy the man's business because he holds a different you know, you're right you know. there are two <clears throat> different well, types of boycott about this you know? there's a
1: personal boycott which i think is what eric sure. is describing yeah, I and don't then there's eat there. there's a we're trying to really destroy the business but let me yeah. say something that i i absolutely believe and i have to say it i am never boycotting krispy kreme ever <laughs> i don't care if their owner runs over dogs for fun those are the best donuts i've ever That's had we just boycotting. lost all the dog owners exactly yeah.
2: the okay. same way about jack-in-the-box tacos I mean, forget it.
1: Mom, I don't think they've made tacos for 15 years. uh uh-huh, but they have. <laughs> they do. Uh-huh. And I buy them. <laughs> <coiled>. <laughs> uh,
2: and I eat them all the time. And can I tell you what it means to me to know that I can still get those tacos after... 50 and they're years. like a
0: dollar and, and ten it's, cents or something. Exactly,
2: and it's the same a little bag hot full of taco, tacos, same little hot taco with that same little hot sauce. And I used to get that in Berkeley when I was an aspiring writer and I was working on my old IBM typewriter and stealing paper from from various places to huh. write. And I would get those tacos and Shocking. it would just be, it would just be the most wonderful, evil pleasure. And I can still go out. Where I live in the, California doesn't get those tacos.
1: Excellent. Well, I want to remind our listeners they're listening to the live cast of The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw <laughs> Unless they our-
0: downloaded this for a podcast and <laughs> it's no longer live. But right now. That is our way
1: of guilting them into listening to the live show. I see. We want to take a very brief break for a word from one of our sponsors. <laughs> Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Derek Shaw Quinn. Our guest in the soup is my mother, Anne Rice. And we have some questions for her from the Facebook faithful. We had a lot of people who didn't wait until we went live on the air. They, they posted their questions. Previously, Henry Valdez, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Henry, would like to know what was the worst thing I did as a child or a young man that made you really mad and got me in the worst trouble for doing it?
2: <laughs> well, you know, that's hard to answer because the thing that got me the most concerned uh, didn't have any consequences for you. We just explained that it was bad. It was when you came into my marble-tiled bathroom off my office and you decided to fill it with water because you thought that the bathroom <laughs> being tiled in marble would hold it like a pond I, I did. And all all the water flooded down into Susie like Q's office downstairs
1: Your in our assistant's house, office. my secretary's listen, office. Listen, as a child I believed in a world where marble could support water. <laughs> I I still believe in my heart in that world. That's the way
0: it is on Tom and Jerry cartoons. I absolutely or the drowning pool. Or I Love Lucy, where that whole bathroom fills up with water. Well, maybe
2: there should have been consequences. Like, maybe somebody should have taken you aside and said something about reality. But nobody did.
1: (laughs) Because you weren't working in reality at the time. We were so busy
2: cleaning up that water and trying to, you know, see that the entire plaster ceiling. But anyway, that was the worst. That was one of the craziest things I ever did. I
1: remember the worst thing. And, and you've forgotten it. <clears throat> I what was, was it? about six or seven years old and I hid from you yeah. two in a department store. Uh, I thought and I that. that was really bad. And I remember the moment when because it was the Bay Area and it was the eighties the and there had been a lot of child abductions. Yes. And none of this was going through my head. I just thought it would be fun. And I remember hiding behind a rack of blue jeans, because that's how small I was at the yes. time. Yes. Seeing dad's expression as he walked up and down the aisle thinking uh oh right. I have done it <clears throat> yeah. this is not gonna be good <laughs> too much yeah. we
2: did not think it was funny and you're right I remember that very distinctly we were terribly frightened and upset yes and uh you know, but you were very nice but about it. But the filling
0: the bathroom I was six, with water. So I knew I
1: needed to be nice about that. I like that. the yeah. water one.
0: I yeah. think somebody should invent a watertight bathroom. I think that's a Absolutely. really good call. Like, yeah, I think you sure. should be able Go to fill up fill the room, up. right? Exactly.
1: If they can do foam parties at gay bars, they can do watertight bathrooms in the homes of every Absolutely. American. I would think. Absolutely. What, what is our country coming to? I, I know. I we have another question. This one is from G. Dwayne Johnson. He says, looking back at your life, if you could not be an author, but you could be successful at any other occupation, what would you have chosen?
2: Oh, rock star singer, of course. Wow. But I can't sing a note. But Dwayne said, if you you know, if you could be successful, anything. Rock call. star singer, rock star singer, poet, Oracle Cassandra. You know, that's what I would have loved to have been. <laughs> wow. Oh, and by the way, hello, Dwayne, and I hope everybody down there is doing well. I love Dwayne; he's a very special friend. I love Henry Valdez too; very special
1: friend. Well, these are all very special people because they posted yes. their questions days ago. So they I absolutely wanted to get them answered on the air. Don Foyles would like to know of all the books you have written, which character do you most identify yourself with and why? This is a multi-part question. Could you imagine yourself starring in one of your own creations on the big screen? And what character would you play if you could?
2: Oh, I couldn't star in any of my creations on the big screen. I have never even thought about that. So that is just, I can't go there. The character that has the most of me in him, as oddly a male character, is Michael Curry, in The Witching Hour. Not Louie. Well, Louie, yes. Yes, Louie, too. Louie in Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, that was me. I am the only woman ever played by Brad Pitt on the screen, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true. Well, that you know of.
2: <laughs> that I know of so far, yes. But uh, that's a tough question because I always go way out of myself into some alternate universe when I write. And I don't really think literally that any character is me when I'm writing.
1: Mm, They're all you.
2: They are, yeah.
1: Ran Valoran, he of the amazing Photoshop abilities, who's currently working on a series combining Honey Boo Boo with images from the Vampire Chronicle movies. Do you hear
2: the doors slamming everywhere?
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) He has a question for you, which I think is actually a question I would ask you. Is there a movie monster or mythical being that you haven't written about that intrigues you enough to add to your body of work?
2: You know, I'm thinking about that. Um, No.
1: Not the Loch Ness Monster. No. I I have
2: never really wanted
1: <laughs> <laughs> blizzard man maybe if bigfoot <laughs> yeah. was a shakespearean scholar living and in a log cabin deep you, in the woods with know. a violin
2: this does make me think of a treatment I wrote once for TV that I never finished about a character, a lung man that lived under the sea, you know, a kind of, uh, well, what would you call it? The creature from the Black Lagoon, only from the Black Atlantic, you know. And I, I just, I don't know, that's about as far as I got into monsters. I'm still intrigued with the basic vampires, witches, and mummies, you know. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I just can't get away from ancient Egypt. and. You've definitely created sure. a
0: big universe there to yeah, explore. Yeah,
2: I love that classic old universe. That Excellent. classic old universe that I inherited in the 40s at the neighborhood show.
1: Wonderful. Uh, my mother is still in the room. She did not leave yet. She has not stormed out in an angry huff.
2: <laughs> and slammed the door. Right. But she, it's
1: early yet. And she doesn't know what we have prepared for the gossip segment that we will want her feedback well, on. Well, I, so. uh, I
0: think Gordon, I think Gordon. Jordan. I think Jordan began to tease the topic. With his fondness for the werewolves.
1: There is a little movie that is coming out next weekend that will bring an end to a self described saga of films about vampires called Twilight. And Stephanie Meyer did an interview on Jimmy Kimmel this weekend where she asserted the following and let us know if any of this sounds familiar, Mom. She's (laughs) never met a real vampire. Her older sister encouraged her to send her first book to publishers, and she says her sister's reward is that she gets to read everything first. Jimmy Kimmel said apparently that's not a big enough reward.
0: (laughs) Not considering what she's making.
1: She got mostly rejections and ignored when she sent out her first query letters to agents. Only one agent wanted to see more, and that was the agent that ended up representing her. Well, that's (laughs) how it works. The original title of Twilight? Forks. Forks.
2: Forks. Forks. Boy, that would have been big.
1: Yeah. Um, well, the silence from your side of the table no, no, on
2: this I is deafening, mine. My- <laughs> no, no, look, totally. I understand. Totally. I've never met a real vampire either. You know, she's oh. telling the truth.
0: But people really ask you that? Oh,
2: of course. Are you kidding?
0: So they're like, tell me it's, it's really for yeah,
2: real, right? Yeah. Oh, are you, or sometimes you get sad calls. I got a really sad call from a, from a person one time. And she said, please tell me List Todd is real that these. Vampires are real. And I said, I can't. I mean, they're really, they're fiction. And she was just crying. And she said, I'm very, very sad, and my daughter is going to be too. Mm. I realized I was speaking to someone who was old enough to have a daughter that also read my books. Mm -hmm. And it was surprising. But, I mean, she was really sincere. But I took this as a great compliment. I made her believe Lestat and Louis and Armand and the other vampires were real. So I was very that glad. That whole world. But, and, but usually it's it's kids that ask you. Yes. And I think <clears throat> the
1: achievement of Stephanie Meyer is that she has made people believe that people go to high school. <laughs>
2: Or that vampires go to high right, school? Right. Yes. Exactly. We've right. always known that people went to high
1: school. I, yes, I <laughs> did know. You but she, not she really made that people previously? believe it. She yes. really made you believe that there were girls in
0: high school who liked boys. Have you ever yes, seen that, yes. that, that show, the the Vampire Diaries? The, um, the I, Kevin I Williams. I
2: Kevin have, I've watched a couple of episodes. Yes.
1: They did a great shout out to you early on.
2: They did. They and did. I was honored. I really was honored. One
1: of her. the vampires, the Ian Somerhalder character, said as he was reading a copy of Twilight, "Oh." I I miss Anne Rice. She made all this stuff cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm honored, but you know, I'm happy for all these other vampire writers. I really am. I love Charlene Harris oh, in particular, True Blood. and I love, love True, Blood, True Blood, Blood, Blood on HBO. Such and fun. I'm very happy for Stephanie Meyer and for Twilight. I mean, I understand what makes it work. I mean, I think she. Deserves credit for making millions of people don't. extremely happy.
0: And by further <clears throat> expanding the, the vampire myth, I, I think that yes. it's always a mistake to look at fame and fortune as though it's a pie that's going to run out. Exactly. There's it's a not. limitless amount of it for totally. everyone. Totally. If you're willing to play yes. along, yes. and Bram Stoker's birthday was just this week, yesterday. wasn't it? Yesterday,
2: yesterday was Bram Stoker's. The great birthday. grandfather yes. of it
0: and all. He is uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> the author Death. of Dracula. Oh, okay. I thought the there's a pizza place. Okay, yes.
1: yeah, I thought he had that new pizza place yes. on Sunset in Los Um Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we just, you know, well, it's interesting because the vampire is really one of the only subgenres where you can kind of go anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would a mm-hmm. high school zombie drama look like? Oh, Eric, I, that's gird what yourself. I, Talking what about zombies! zombies. I, I, oh
0: my God, I hate zombies. What do people
2: mean when they say, "Are you going to write about zombies?" What is there to write? Right, I,
0: they're so boring. They don't I have mean, any personality. What?
1: I know, and I all, Eric and I always go back and forth about this. And I think that there are things that can be done with zombie stories that are interesting within the context of dystopian apocalyptic storytelling. Yeah, and what that especially means, especially
2: if you know what those words mean. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I looked it up not long ago. Every went to
1: Brown. Every I went to Brown for a whole year. I know well, you you did. and words. all they did was teach me what dystopian meant oh, right? I got it yeah um,
2: well, you were living in the town brave. of uh, H. P. Lovecraft. What do you expect? Oh, yeah, H. P. Lovecraft. We Why are we all Miskatonic still talking about? University Lovecraft? is actually in that same town.
1: <laughs> racist, creepy old man. Why? I just I, I, <laughs> oh,
2: come on now. You, no, man, you're gonna really take listen. on horror fans around the world. Let if me you t- get mean on here's Lovecraft. Here's what I'll tell you.
1: I, I will send. Are they listening? I will to send horror fans. First of all, the, every year there is an article written in some literary magazine, which basically establishes that H. P. Lovecraft doesn't have any fans. <laughs> Okay. Cthulhu has, yes. okay. no, Cthulhu has fans. Cthulhu
2: has th- okay. fans. this is the first time I've ever heard it pronounced. Thank you.
1: But there are some writings out there that were published by him that are some of the most shocking and insidiously racist pieces of racist. writing you will ever really? hear. There is a poem which is, the title of it is so racist I will not say it oh, on the no, air. Oh
2: no, don't say it. And I there, thought it was only against half-lizard people. Oh. That <laughs> met under the, oh, that's under so the pyramids easy. to have, you know, to worship gods from a prior time.
1: I, I have very strong feelings about this after having been recently Exposed to this little guy. So, in other words, we are
2: unearthing the fact that the guy is a racist. Is that what we're doing? And we're going to therefore call his entire Uber into question.
0: Okay, that's the problem.
2: That's okay. That's all right. I mean, you know.
1: People are the product of the era that they live in yes, often. they are. But this one piece of writing in particular will really drop your jaw and Trans- your
2: drawers. Trans- Transcends yeah. the era. <laughs> well, on, on a future – Eric,
1: this is a radio show. If you're going to look at me like that,
0: it's going to need a sound effect. What kind of – yeah, what What are your turn-ons? I can't wait to see your fold-out page. like, his turn-ons include racist poetry. <laughs>
2: Well, Chris, are we going to... Lunatic
0: gonna, horror writers.
2: Are we going to hear this poem at a future day?
1: No, right. I it's so racist, I'm not going to read it. Yeah, you you'll can just have to look it up get online, guys. a little bell guys. and hit the little bell. Google H.P. Lovecraft <laughs> and racism. Okay. and you will find this poem right. almost
0: okay. immediately but after the very... show is over no, don't but, leave yeah. our but website yet
2: let me just say for the millions of horror fans out there listening to this show H.B. Lovecraft is a great <laughs> God, horror writer he was a great Thank horror writer and he was show. one of the few to create a, a, a total cosmology and that was very inspiring to me and inspired me to create a cosmology
1: I, I'll give I say that's okay <clears throat> I understand so let's give him I'll credit for you. that yeah, let's no. give
2: him credit and also he brought this kind of dark European ambiance to his stories he made New England as creepy as England and that was quite an achievement for American writer.
1: I don't think it's much of an achievement these days but okay the
0: right wing has devoted yeah. a great deal of time to making New England seem creepy
1: um. <laughs> full of elitist people who actually know what they're talking about wow um, anyway so okay, we, we spun from Stephanie Meyer to H.P. Lovecraft so thanks, that's Stephanie the first time anyone fascinating has done that.
0: conversation about H.P. Right, Lovecraft right. I'll
1: say okay so what are we going to do Waffle House sex scandal
0: I, you know, I think maybe that it's time to um, pause, right? No, I think it's not. It's not. It's not. We have another. I'm looking at. No, we have seven minutes until. You're listening wrong.
1: That's the segment.
0: But that's the time. Yeah, that's okay. the actual so time in the real over world. The time,
1: this all right? is Christopher and Eric learn to do a radio show. Second directing me live, isn't that fun? This okay. is learning
0: to do a radio show.
1: Absolutely. Listen, we're still in the at the dinner table, I should say, with my mother, Anne Rice, our special guest for the evening. We have a really distressing story that has rocked the world of fast breakfast foods. Um, <laughs> and I have to say it is, I think, the first sex scandal I can remember of involving um, a Waffle House. What? Okay, that noise needs to stop. Um, (laughs) uh, woman claims Waffle House CEO required her to perform sex acts. Lawyer says the CEO's story differs. A former female employee has filed a police complaint alleging the CEO of Waffle House demanded she perform sexual acts on him in exchange for keeping her job. Stay seated. At Waffle House? No. Yeah, she (laughs) has to... (laughs) <laughs> right? Wait, she worked for the CEO. She wasn't oh, behind the oh, counter at okay. Waffle
0: House.
2: Oh, I thought it was happening at Waffle House. I thought he was the CEO of a local Waffle House.
1: <laughs> they don't have CEOs of local okay, Waffle Houses.
2: Okay. And it's Waffle another, House I. Another corporate scandal. Okay. Excuse <laughs> me. The woman
1: told Atlanta police the alleged harassment by Joseph Rogers Jr. lasted for nearly 10 years. <laughs>
0: Yeah, can it really still be harassment after ten years?
1: From two thousand and three through June of this year, were the
0: doors locked? Could she not get out of the building? She claimed she had
1: to keep the job because um, she was a mother and her husband had left her.
0: Well, maybe
2: that that could happen. I yeah. know,
0: and it said that she needed the benefits, but mm. you got th- it. It's like. I'm wanting to go to work for Waffle House. I mean, the benefits there must be incredible if you would be willing to be sexually harassed for 10 years. I'm not... Just for... Just may I please just pause to say... It is not okay that that man sexually harassed no, her no, at it's all, not. ever. And, and I'm not saying know. that, yes. and I'm not in any way imputing her, although I thought it was interesting that his lawyer said that his story differed widely from her, yeah, wildly well, from hers, or yeah. widely, or something like that. Yeah.
2: But, but I think one but of the things. But that we, said,
0: it is sort of like, God, stay for 10 years? Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's brutal. And a tide of regret sweeps over the studio
1: for having raised this story, which seemed a lot funnier when we were reading it online. But well, now raises all we sorts of
2: unfortunate. Can't laugh at a poor woman who feels that she was victimized. Can we?
0: Well, what I loved is that the the way she did she did what she had to do. She got her kid to the point. Her son got a full ride scholarship to college, and that's when she went after the well, bastard. Okay. So go all get right. him, girl.
2: Yeah.
1: Which is going to really work against her in court? I have to say. Um, the next story we want to address is uh, is really it's this guys. This is really serious. Are you guys ready? I'm ready to okay. be serious. It's and been you know it's
0: election week, so there's a lot of serious
1: stories. It's not out
2: happening there. in a Waffle House.
1: It's not happening in a, at a Waffle House. It's happening in a far more serious place, and that is Twitter.
0: Oh, everything yeah, big serious news. happens on Twitter. Very serious.
1: Don Lemon of CNN, sort of fame. And Jonah Hill, the actor, got in a feud on Twitter. Mom, are you looking at me weird? Do you know what Twitter is? I
2: do. (laughs) 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 You little devil. (laughs) You little servant's tooth. Of course I know what Twitter is. It's (gasps) (sighs) bird Go ahead.
1: On Thursday, 46-year-old CNN host tweeted that he said hi to the 28... <laughs> sorry, sorry. Excuse me. The 28-year-old 21 Jump Street star in a hotel. That would be Jonah Hill. And Hill did not say hi back.
0: Oh, no.
1: Said hi to Jonah in a hotel, Lemon wrote. I really feel like we should have had Shakespearean actors do the various right. tweets. Patrick
0: Stewart reads the tweets from Jonah and Don.
1: <laughs> Don Lemon went on to say, I think he thought I was a bellman. Didn't know his name till the bellman told me. A lesson to always be kind. In another tweet, John Lemon described... I'm sorry, Don Lemon.
0: <laughs> We're now making up new characters What for was the in story. those
1: cookies, Eric Shaw Quinn? Well, you know. Uh, Lemon described Hill as a tool. Mom, do you know what people mean when they a No, I don't, Chris. A jerk.
2: Okay, I got it. I wonder why. Okay. Um,
1: Hill later responded, <laughs> I said hi. very useful. Hill responded, I said, hi, what do you want me to do? Move in with you? I was in a hurry. Didn't realize you were a 12-year-old girl. Peace.
0: <laughs> yeah, because that's always a peacemaking kind of thing to say. <laughs> I'm bombing your country. Yeah, Peace. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, That's all you have to do is just put that on the end and everything is fine.
1: Here's my favorite part about all of this. that In the wake of it, they have all deleted these tweets. But, of course, intrepid gossip journalists throughout the country have managed to... Uh, Capture the tweets. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
0: Well, thank heavens that's going to be preserved for posterity.
1: You are a Facebook person, Mom. Indeed, I am. And I try to do split shifts between both. I like Twitter more. But I'm telling you, the fights that people get in on Twitter are, in my opinion, so much worse. Because you have less room to say what you want to say. So you have to make it super hateful, super fast. And I remember when I weighed in about the Chick-fil-A controversy. I some of the tweets curled my hair. Really because I put the hashtag on it, which you know, mm-hmm. my part in it is you're you're inviting a response because yes. it puts it into the search stream of that topic. Right. I mean people just saying stuff to me, I was and interestingly enough, they were all cartoons. Cartoons. Their, their profile photos
0: were oh, all oh, of cartoons. Oh, they were all
2: cartoon yes. people twittering. Okay, Absolutely. Interesting. Well, I,
0: A writer, uh, one of my favorite writers actually said um, in a, a response that she wrote on one of those uh, particular kinds of insidious um, anonymous assaults that the internet has become the bathroom wall of our
2: – Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Was that um, mom who said that? (laughs) Yes, it was. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's like people, because it's anonymous, can say or feel empowered to just say the most horrible and vitriolic things about each other. The thing that I want to say to everyone is that if it happened on Twitter, that means it didn't really happen.
2: You mean we have to forgive Donald Trump for what he tweeted the night of the election when Obama won?
0: my God. (laughs) Or forgive ourselves for paying attention to it in the first place. <laughs> what did he tweet that, he, that we need oh, to forgive oh, him it was uh,
2: a disgrace. Uh, we needed a revolution. We needed whatever. a revolution, to
1: which somebody, I can't remember exactly who, promptly pointed out, Donald, do you have any idea what happens to rich old white men in revolution?
0: <laughs> like, hello, girl. Yeah, I actually don't pay that much attention to people like that. But, so. uh, here was well, the he strangest.
1: deleted the tweet. Right, but Brian Williams right. covered it on the news broadcast with this great disdain and said that Donald Trump, who has dwelled past the point of relevance, yeah. <laughs> And now I'm going to quote him on the national news. What the hell was Brian Williams doing quoting Donald Trump on an election night newscast?
0: This just is. Yeah. Donald Trump it's passed news, his expiration it's date. It's news
2: when someone makes a complete fool of themselves like that. It's news. I guess
0: you're right. I you guess know, that I can mean, make a case a for that. He is a celebrity.
2: He has remarkable <laughs> hair. He's a celebrity. No, but I mean, you know, well, he's, he ran for anyway. president for five minutes, didn't he? Or am yes, I'm he was a frontrunner, no, I think, teased, for a minute.
1: he teased. He never yeah, showed up to a debate. And he announced
2: right before the... For the election, that he had a huge bombshell to drop, did he not? And of Absolutely. course, it was what a five million dollar reward if the president would would
0: show, uh, would, yeah, show would his, his
1: high school his, records yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his yeah. yeah. college records. That was right. the, that was the
0: embarrassing He one. said,
1: if his, if the president would disclose his college records, he would give he Donald Trump yeah. would give five million dollars to a charity, I guess in inner city Chicago or something yes, like that. Yes, that's right.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And mean you've been a man who builds up with I'm going to drop a big bombshell before the election, and then comes out with that. You know that's news.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm Christopher
0: Rice, and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash/The Dinner Party Show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our
1: aggrieved manservant servant Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's
0: right, at facebook.com slash show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022.
1: Questions. I'm sorry, I've had tea too much tea and I'm talking over everyone, which is what usually happens when I attend a dinner party. But we have been promising people that if they go to our Facebook page right. for the dinner party show. The most important part. Absolutely. And they hit like on the page so that we can feel loved and validated, they would have the opportunity to ask you a question. Yes. And, oh, Sumiko, I love seeing your post, but I'm going to mispronounce your name probably. Sumiko Salson would like to know... If she can expect the Wolf Gift sequel anytime soon. And she wants to know if Oakland will be in it because she was so excited when it was featured in the Wolf Gift last time.
2: Oakland. I left out Oakland. Darn. Okay. So Miko <laughs> has hit
1: unlike on your page. No, no,
2: no, no, no. Miko, wait a minute. Stop. Stop. Yes, you can. There is a Wolf Gift sequel coming and it will be late next next year. And we're still laboring a little bit over the schedule and what's going to happen, but uh, it's definitely there will be more of the whole gang of werewolves at Nideck Point. Yes.
1: And do we have a title?
2: Well, we did, and mm-hmm. we do, but uh, Forks I, it's isn't still, taken, as
0: I understand. Forks is still available. Is available. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> I think it's going to be the Wolves of Midwinter, but Ooh. I am not exactly oh. certain. The, I'm not certain. I mean, I it's, you know, like we haven't. That. The publication hasn't been announced yet.
0: You
1: heard it here first on the no, Dinner Party Show, folks. <laughs> the Wolves of Midwinter has been announced, <laughs> and possibly you heard it here last oh, on the Dinner Party right. Show. It here may come, never come
0: up again. So here
2: come the phone calls from New York.
1: So <laughs> let's hope New York is listening, okay? <laughs> right? Or still let's awake, know. or that's,
0: that they have power
1: and can watch the power. show. And can, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm it's most hoping. important. But I think most people in Manhattan have their power back. Is that? I am I correct in saying that? I hope
0: so. It seems like there's still a lot of people really struggling yeah anyway more questions from our Facebook followers
1: Buffy Peterson has a question for you mom let's take you let's take you back to the day you met Stan Stan and Lestat are standing together which one do you think you would have ended up with
2: Wow, my gosh, what a strange question. Well, I didn't know yet then that Lestat was coming into the world. And I do remember vividly the first day I met Stan. We were in journalism class in Richardson High School in Richardson, Texas, and he was sitting at a table in front of the room, and he got up and came back to the table where I was sitting and sat down. And uh, I thought, what a self-assured and charming young man. And I kind of almost
0: fell in love with him right then. Mm. Well, he was
2: fifteen and I was sixteen.
0: Aw, that's a great story. You think he came back to sit with you?
2: I think he got tired of being up there by himself. That's what he said. I'm tired of being up there by myself. I'm gonna come back and sit with the rest of you. And uh, I thought, What a distinct, confident person, you know. Right, to such move a, around such in a glass. Sweet little fifteen year old boy with a beautiful baby face and he was so tall, six feet tall, you know. So I kinda of fell in love you look with him. Looked
0: like this guy?
2: <clears throat> yes, he did. He did look like Christopher Rice, yes.
1: I think some people in Canada didn't hear that mint tin. Yeah, I'm,
2: some,
0: I'm, I'm helping <laughs> myself to some of the complimentary Altoids Absolutely. here in the studio. No, mm-hmm. I
1: love that story. He also had bad acne, right? He also didn't he? Well,
2: he did. Yeah, but I blot yeah. out things like that.
1: But it was know. part of yeah. the confidence. Was that he did? He, he wasn't. An, he yeah He Ignored it. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sean PT. I'm not sure that's his last name, but it's capital P, little T. Welcome to dinner, Sean. Anne Rice, I have been listening to the show, and I want to know what is the worst thing you did as a child?
2: Oh, I don't even want to talk about it. Okay. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) No, I did some bad things as a kid.
0: Really? Oh,
2: yeah. I I did some bad things. I I understood evil by the time I was finished with childhood. Well, (laughs) oh, man. Heavy. Good Catholic education. I I remember moments of moral decision as a child, you know, so I I did some bad things. Wow. But but I've heard that the difference between kids that grow up to be criminals and kids that don't is that for some reason or another, the children that do these bad things, who don't become criminals, they they understand it's bad and they recognize that and they don't do any
0: more. So did you, like, knock over a bank?
2: Or, well, it wasn't a bank.
0: Somebody swimming it with the wasn't fishes. A bank, you wound up with a pocket full of gum. I and hadn't tell you, paid for.
2: I, I hate to even discuss oh, what I did. Oh my goodness! I, was, I can't yes. wait
0: till we get but off the air. There were
2: moments <laughs> when I did physical harm to other children, and oh. I realized how bad that was—the capacity in myself to hit someone, to hurt someone—and I moved oh. away from that. Yeah, you know. So I, I was not an angelic kid, not mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. I was a very outgoing, rambunctious kid.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that well, you can see how that would be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and what is your preferred ending to a book, Panos Sturgiolopoulos. <laughs> I'm Sorry, it's it's difficult names night tonight on Facebook. Panos, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce your last name. I apologize, but he, Panos would like to know what is your preferred ending to a book? A happy one, a sad one, or even a bittersweet one?
2: Gosh, I I really <clears throat> I'm not famous for doing good endings because endings, I think, are artificial. And books have a way of climaxing and then tapering off from me, but um, I'm always hopeful that I'll be able to end the next one on a more satisfactory note. But I, I guess the open ending—the open ending that the story goes on, that the people go on—that mm-hmm. this has just been part of life and they're going to continue.
0: That—that
2: mm-hmm. that I go for much more than any other kind of ending.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, I like get when letters you tell saying what happens to everybody. Yeah, boy.
2: I like it when they do that at the end of the movie. Right. Rory went on to found a million dollar company. Right,
0: yeah. Like uh Because <laughs> well, he
2: became a senator.
0: Animal House.
2: Exactly. <laughs> that's kind of, that's Heartwarming wonderful. Animal House. Yeah, exactly.
0: One more and then we'll go on for a break or absolutely one take- more
1: question. And what is the best advice that Christopher has ever given you, Rand Howell would like to know.
2: Rand would like to know that, huh? Well, let me think. What 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 would you say is the best advice you've ever given me?
1: Um Honestly, I don't know. I think the, there's a piece of advice that you've um, given me, which is write the book that you want to read. Oh my God, we're having a technical meltdown on the dinner party show. Give us back our computer, Brandon. I'm sorry, I can't keep that quiet anymore. Folks at home, you got to apologize. We had a little computer <laughs> malfunction during the last segment, it was driving me nuts.
0: <laughs> the best,
1: you gave me a piece of advice which I disseminate to everyone in the world, which is, or anyone who asked me about writing. Mm-hmm. Which is write the book that you want to read Mm -hmm. and not the book that you think will sell, not the book that uh, you think will, um, you know, uh, win a Pulitzer Prize, but write the book that you Mm -hmm. want to read. Mm hmm you know, yeah, and so I. That is you know, very important. The best advice that I've ever given you, I don't know. I think that would be an arrogant question for me to answer. So I think you have to answer. Yeah, that for I, me. I
2: don't know. You've always given me good advice. You've always given me very good, very grounding advice. I can't think of any particular thing. You okay. Know? I consult you all the time on everything.
1: Right. Well, we have a commercial break to go to now, and then we will come back so you can give it a little bit more thought and talk about how amazing I am <laughs> after this short break. Man, this is a tough crowd in this room. <laughs> we have a little bit of time left before the hour is up and before our first premiere live cast is Can't over. That. Our guest is Ann Rice, who I got because, you know, we went to college together years ago. And, <laughs> you know, she's always encouraged me uh, to pursue my writing, even uh, though I wanted to write zombie musicals. And yeah. anyway, we have a question on zombie the Facebook musical. page. That's yeah. a thought. Go ahead. Terry Brewer. <laughs> 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 yeah, that'll be great. Uh, Eric Shawquin hates zombies.
2: A bit of musical. I mean, yeah, really. That was the
0: zombie That's,
1: singing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, but that that's is... a
2: great opportunity. Drag your foot, the big hip. Yeah. <laughs> Drag your foot.
1: Eat that brain.
2: Roll your hands.
1: Roll your hand. <laughs> Be a metaphor for contempt for your fellow man. <laughs> Uh, Terry Brewer on our Facebook page for The Dinner Party Show. Yes. Did financial success change you as a writer, Ann? No, it
2: did not because I got financial success for writing exactly what I wanted to write.
1: Amen, sister. Tell us about that. The bottom
2: line was do what you want to do. And also I can't control it well enough to be changed by financial success. I mean I'm always veering off and trying something new and and getting, you know – Rejected and then finding a new audience or expanding in a new direction. So, no, I would say it didn't change me at all. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, who knows? Everything changes you.
0: Right. You know. well, was, the Eisenberg principle of writing.
2: Yes. <laughs> True.
1: If there was a life event that you think changed you the most as a writer, what was it, other than my glorious birth?
2: Oh, <laughs> that was a wonderful thing that happened, your glorious birth.
1: The Taltos. Uh,
2: I, I think... <laughs> What what changed me, what life event, I guess going back to the South, mm. you know, getting getting financially mm. secure enough to leave San Francisco and leave a certain measure of security that Stan had there with his job and his tenure job at San Francisco State University with medical insurance and, and going back to the South and depending on my own earnings as a writer for us to live in the South. And that dramatically changed my writing. I think my vocabulary probably increased by 50%. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got in New Orleans again and began to see it, and, and, and I exploded with, with The Witching Hour, which was a huge book that would never have been written if I'd stayed on the West Coast. I would have written something else, maybe something better. Who knows?
1: But you started The Witching Hour when we were living on the Left Coast. I, coast I did. I did.
2: Me. I had about five little chapters of it and didn't even know really where it was going. And then I got down there, and it just
1: exploded. And know? the character of Michael Curry was a woman, right? A redheaded woman named Catherine.
2: You know, I don't even remember that. Did I? I think I remember. Yeah, yeah. I, but Michael was certainly yeah. born down there. He was. he's But certainly it's certainly
0: was. of that place. I one of the things oh, that I have yeah. enjoyed most about your writing over the years is that it's a trip home. I haven't been. Yeah. A childhood is as, as long as I was in Louisiana, and now mm. my trips home are just a, a page turn away.
2: That's great. I appreciate that very much.
0: So what region of the country
1: are you moving to next, Mom? Uh, here's what I'll say. If, if this is a warning. This These is a warning. should write
0: this down.
1: Okay. Write,
2: write, this is good advice. Huh? With, yes. No, what I'm about
1: to say is very good advice. So people of the page and Anne Rice fans, watch her movements very closely. Several months after you left San oh, Francisco, Lord, sakes. the Loma Prieta earthquake happened. True. Okay. Several months after you left New Orleans, Katrina happened. That's true. Several months after you left San Diego hellacious wildfires almost made their way to the ocean just north of where you lived in La Jolla. Right.
2: That
0: and does a giant happen. sinkhole opened up right up the street from the house you were living in. If you yeah. ever
1: leave the desert, I know. let everyone in the desert be warned. No, just tell uh, us. No,
2: I'll do my best to call the desert sun and,
1: and tell <laughs> I'm the, leaving. I'm
2: leaving now.
1: You can stuff's take, <laughs> going down. Yeah, right? I,
2: I don't know why that happens. I don't know why that happens. But, I clearly, it, you're
0: God. It, it I, I don't does. Know.
2: It does. It's it's very strange. I I miss these big disasters. You right. Know? I, I An do.
0: intuitive sort of sense. Yeah. Some I, sort of sixth sense about yes. location, location, location. location right. <laughs> Crash. <laughs> I know.
1: It's yeah, but I, I you're kind of settled now, right? I don't go anywhere. I I can't follow you. I like California.
2: No, I I want very much to stay in California, and I want to be close to where you are, and uh-huh. also. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I lived in California for 30 years mm-hmm. before I ever went back to the South. And it's like my second home. I came out here when I was four years old on a train with my mother mm-hmm. to Los Angeles. And oh, yeah. then I came at 13 on a bus to stay with the Davio family, my wonderful cousin, Alan Davio, his his parents, my aunt and uncle.
1: Let me tip in just for a second and point out that Alan Davio is a multiple Oscar nominee cinematographer right. who was the cinematographer for E.T. Right, right. The color purple. Yes. So many so brilliant purple. Runs Empire, in brilliant family. Of the, Empire
2: of the Sun and both. Empire and, of the and, Sun. And, yes. And just, just wonderful films. We're leaving one out there that, that he did. Um, it's the, the, the it's, astronauts wife. No, the Barry Levinson film that's with Aidan Quinn. It was a wonderful film. Avalon. Said, Avalon. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. And Alan worked really hard in the beginning of Avalon. It was a spectacular beginning.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, yeah, he, he was a big influence on me. But, anyway, this has always been a place that's like a second home. You know, mm. my mother lived out here for years before I was born. And she told me many, many stories. And so I'm, I'm very happy to be back in that's California. Great. And I need I need novelty and I need extremes.
0: That's wonderful. Well, well this well, is the place for both
1: of yes, those it things. Is. <laughs> and I'll have to say you provided both tonight. Um, this is our first... Our debut, our premiere of the uh, Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and away. Eric Shaquan is now coming to a close. It has only taken a year for us to get to this point, and it took Mom three hours to drive in today to get to the point that she's at on the other side of the table. We want to thank everybody who tuned in or Thanks every so anyone much. who is uh, downloading the podcast. Eric, any final thoughts?
0: Oh no. I can't thought of <laughs> anything. That's
1: so unfair. Well, I was sitting there thinking, God, you've had a lot of caffeine. You've been talking over your co-hosts all night. And I would turned you like to
0: say something <laughs> profound or would you like to look like a clueless idiot, Eric? <laughs> let me just randomly turn to you and say any final words? Yes. It's over. Okay.
1: Let me also point out that it every time tonight like I was years. dealing with our social media, that was the moment where both of you fell quiet when I was scrolling through uh, the Facebook questions on the iPad. So obviously we We will will get the hang of this as we go We're going to be working on this. And may I
2: thank the people of the page for posting their questions. Thank
0: you so much for listening in. Absolutely. I've been to a marvelous party.
1: Thanks for traveling back in time with us to one of our happiest memories of having my mother here in the studio
0: it would be the first of many visits. But nothing would ever match the sheer excitement of having her here with us as the TDPS network took its first steps out into the world.
1: In the months that followed, she would join the Facebook conversations during live shows and help spread our outrageous episodes to all her beloved people of
0: the page. And some of her people of the page became our beloved party people. And for this and so much else, we will forever be grateful to her memory. Our tributes continue
1: next week with a special encore presentation of a -a one-of-a-kind episode we recorded beyond
0: our studio walls and out in the world. Not on a stage or in a conference either, but in a hotel. Anne's hotel room, specifically.
1: Listen next week as we take you to the morning after suite at the Monteleone Hotel in New Orleans as Anne basks in the glow of one of the most special fan club balls she'd ever experienced. Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. This is TDPS.